The information presented in this podcast is intended to be for entertainment and educational purposes only. It should never be used in place of advice given by a mental health or medical professional or as a substitute for mental health treatment. If you're struggling with a mental health issue, please seek professional help. And welcome to this episode of The Fangirl Business. I'm Catherine. And I'm Krisha. And today we are talking about the fifth episode in Supernatural's 15th season, Proverbs 17.3. Yes, we are. And this was an interesting one. Like a, I don't know, it's a strange one. <laughs> that I... <laughs> well, we're like still, yeah, yeah. okay. So the episode aired yesterday. We are recording this at like Mm -hmm. 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Friday. And I feel like our conversations that you and I have been having with each other for the last 24 hours, half of it is just like, what just happened? And then the other half is like, (laughs) oh, but wait, that? Yeah, that's actually a really accurate description of everything. Thank you. Well done. Before we get into it, let's start with how you were feeling going into the episode, because I think that's really going to frame where some of our reactions (laughs) are coming from. Yes, I am going through some depression right now. And yesterday was a big day for me. I kind of bounced from appointment to appointment to appointment all over the place yesterday. And then in the evening, I went to a concert. It meant I had to go into a big crowd of loud people. which I was just like I had a wonderful time but I was just like okay now I need to watch Supernatural and then I watched the whole thing and I was like huh (laughs) (laughs) that was literally my reaction (laughs) that was me going into it how were you going into it yesterday well I sat down to watch the episode and I was really excited to do so. We don't have cable, but we have just an antenna so we can get local television and turned on the TV and suddenly my TV just didn't get the CW anymore. Just like wasn't there. What ended up happening there? Well, I was rage scrolling through Twitter. I couldn't decide if I wanted to keep up with what was going on or if I wanted to stop. And some amazing soul tweeted some live feeds to get the episode through the internet oh so i did that which was amazing but i had to watch it on my phone so it was very tiny and i didn't feel like i could live tweet because i didn't want to lose the signal so i felt kind of disconnected from everyone and Mm. the feed was not perfect it glitched quite a bit and towards the end it would pop into a whole entirely different show for 30 seconds and then pop back and so the big reveal was spoiled because it glitched and oh no yeah it really i was very upset by the end of the whole situation and then having it over this kind of episode that is very Huh. I kept thinking I was missing something that would explain why it was suddenly Supernatural, the soap opera. And uh, <laughs> I was just very confused and mad. 
So, yeah, it's funny that you and I both didn't get to watch live, really. And we're both kind of slow on the uptake as to what the hell was happening on our televisions. It was just a very Mm -hmm. strange circumstance all the way around. I will say watching it the second time, once I knew it was supposed to be absurd, it got way more entertaining. And I was just like, oh, Mm. there she is in her hospital bed with her perfect bouncy hair and her lipstick and <laughs> the perfectly timed tear. I need to go back and watch it. It's I haven't done that pretty yet. pretty funny the second time around, I'm not going to lie. Mm. Just because getting into it, I guess, all of those elements of the girl with the perfect lipstick in the hospital bed, like that's an ongoing thing. Every now and again, you'll see a dying girl that doesn't look pristine. <laughs> But I liked that it started to poke fun at itself because it turned the volume up just enough that you're like, oh my. She's wearing a beret. She just walked out of the hospital wearing a beret and a whatever that, a cravat. Is that what you call that? That are accessorized? And I was just like, that's happening. Okay. I remember seeing the beret and going, huh. And then just kind of being like oh well sometimes they have weird wardrobe choices (laughs) now that we know i feel like we should maybe start at the reveal twist because that was the moment where the story diverged from what it was perceived to be up until that point into what it actually was are you okay don't touch me Well, this is a bitch. But I'm going to pick up one point that I still am not happy about. And that is Chuck's not supposed to have any sway over anything that's in the empty. That is canon. It's talked about that extensively. And yet somehow he was able to go there and bring her back. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, this is messing with canon. Why? I don't understand it and I don't like it. I don't have answers, but I have theories. The overarching theme of this whole episode was bad writing. And that's a giant plot (laughs) hole. The whole point is to show that Chuck is just not good at this anymore. But wouldn't that give him more authority rather than like, do you know what I mean? It is a plot hole and it is a giant gaping plot hole and that's why i think it's deliberate so i don't know what it means yet but i don't think that steve yaki who is the writer for this episode suddenly forgot a plot point that they bashed us over the head with you know what i mean i think it's supposed to be this gaping hole of what the hell because that's what this whole episode was was just a a huge steaming pile of what the hell i think the reason that I was bummed out about it was because I was so excited to see who and what was going to come back out of the empty. We've been theorizing about Mm -hmm. this since way back at the beginning of our podcast and I thought it was going to be something to do with death and the empty and Jack coming back and none of that happened. I mean, it's kind of like Becky, right? Like the least (laughs) interesting character to come out of the empty for me would have been Lilith. What are you? Sam... You don't remember little old me? Because all she does is roll her eyes up in I her know. head and be like a creepy child. Yep. Unless she's trying to sleep with Dean. Yeah, like, yikes. Speaking of, I think even that was commentary. Because oh, yeah. she always used to appear as children, except for the one time where she tried to seduce Sam, right? But then she was a same age 
ish person is him. I thought it was actually really interesting that she chose the body of somebody who would have just graduated from college this time and was supposed to seduce Dean, Mm -hmm. who's in his 40s now. He just did not see her that way. And that was really, really obvious. He was not looking at her in a sexual way. He was not sexualizing her in any way. He was connecting with her as... He was pretty paternal, I would say. He was. He was giving sagely advice about life and direction and such. I just moved back here, and I have no idea what I'm going to do with my life. You got plenty of time. Exactly. Dean has matured yeah early seasons he had some throwaway comments about like jailbait and stuff oh which was uncomfortable (laughs) but chuck can't see that he's matured absolutely the dean from the photo in the id Mm -hmm. would have been all over just graduated from college chick yep she wasn't even close to being jailbait you know Mm -hmm. what i mean But 40s Dean looks at her as somebody that he needs to protect and take care of in a non-sexual way. I know that Dean has grown, especially in the last few years. And I know that he has matured a lot. He really has prioritized what is meaningful when he's not emotionally spiraling Mm -hmm. and repressing everything. Mm -hmm. But it was nice that we really got that highlighted for a minute, that he really is a, a different guy now and he makes different choices. I think that they are showing us very clearly that Chuck can no longer see his own characters. Mm-hmm. You know, like we're all here in season 15, 15, which is nuts for a television show because mm-hmm. we started at season one and loved it. This show is on the air because it's been really good for a long time. And those early seasons were amazing. And the monster of the week was compelling and all of that. But our characters have grown. They want more. Mm. They need more. And you and I talked mm-hmm. about that last week a little bit where we were like, it's just kind of weird that the monster of the week isn't the focus. Like, I wonder if it's supposed to be that way. And then this week, it's like a sledgehammer to the yeah. back of the head. That's exactly the statement that's being made. When the reveal happened and she was Lilith and she started talking as if she was Lilith and she told mm. him that she was supposed to seduce him. And she was like, so I guess that's off the table. I was supposed to get rescued and in a moment of sweet relief, seduce Dean, blah, blah, blah. Obviously, that's not happening now, so. Oh, well. You know how Jensen is. There's this split second of her micro expressions. Yeah. And it was like, what? Well, hmm, no. <laughs> <laughs> He reassessed. Oh, she's actually not a child. She's this ancient evil. Mm, yeah, still no. But I loved it's that he took moment. us on that journey. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's one of the things that's great about Jensen's oh, acting. God, he's amazing. He really is. Like he, he can do things with his face. We're back to I the know. face now. Jensen just needs to have his face, and Misha just needs to breathe. Yes. But apparently, Misha doesn't even need to breathe to be a presence as cast. Oh my in this. god! Mm-hmm. I have never seen an episode be so much about a character when that character is nowhere to be seen. There aren't even angel wings this week. There's I know. text messages and a throwaway line at the end, and yet they literally frame the episode with cast. So they have him at the beginning and the end, and it's almost like a continuation of the same theme, where it's like Sam who's doing the reaching out, Mm -hmm. and Cass isn't answering in both of the scenes. And so when you have a framework like that intentionally 
at the beginning and end of something. It's meant to shape your focus for the entire episode or the entire book or the entire whatever. Mm -hmm. And so I think it was really intentional and fascinating. And it wasn't just his name was mentioned once. We literally saw a series of texts from Sam being like, Cass, how are you? Where are you? Cass, how's it going? so soft. Can you let me know how you're doing, Cass? And despite the fact that they misspelled his name. I know. Which, damn it. Within one frame, we got Cass's name probably like five times. Mm -hmm. And then at the end, he's checking in with him again. Hey, Cass. Yeah, straight to voicemail again. Yeah, well, we give the heads up on Chuck and Lilith. So what else are we supposed to do? Like you just said, it was so soft. And I loved that Sam's worried about him and trying to find him. But that also implied that Dean didn't tell him what happened. Absolutely. And that was the other bit of the framework is that we had those texts Mm -hmm. at the beginning that clearly indicate that Dean's not talking about Cass. And then Mm -hmm. at the end, Sam tries to call Cass. He doesn't answer. And Dean is just like, oh, was that Cass? Oh, well, we tried. And then shrugged it off. No discussion. It was clearly a covering line Mm -hmm. because he knows he knows that Cass isn't going to answer. The idea Mm -hmm. that the big bad is back or never left is this huge Mm. bombshell. We've known that Chuck's been Mm. there the whole time, but they didn't. Mm. And so for Dean to then just shrug off whether Cass knows it really to me spoke to last week where he killed that kid without even thinking about it, without even processing it, without even trying anything else. You know, here he is ruthlessly shut down on the cast front also to the point that he's not even worried about his safety because he's not letting himself worry about his safety. He's not letting himself mm-hmm. think about or feel about it at all. Mm-hmm. <sighs> the other interesting thing about that is if he's hiding it from Sam, there's an element of shame Oh, yeah. And so he knows that he's done something wrong. Mm -hmm. He wouldn't hide it if he didn't think that something wrong had happened. He'd have just said, well, Cass is a jerk, and he would have framed it as that if he didn't feel some element of responsibility for what had happened. So I think the fact that he's not telling Sam tells us a lot about his state of mind in terms of the argument itself and his role in Mm -hmm. it. It would be very easy to just say Cass left because Cass leaves. But he said nothing, literally nothing, to where Sam's like, uh, Mm -hmm. I didn't even know you were leaving. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. That's a really hurt Cass if you left without saying goodbye to Sam. I know. Mm. My heart, Krisha. <sighs> I want to give my baby angel a hug. I know. And I want to okay. give Sam a hug, too. Sam didn't... Damn it. Cass is his best friend, too. He didn't I deserve know. to have Cass just ghost him. But on no, the other hand, didn't. I totally get where Cass... I think he genuinely believes neither one of them want him. Crap. There is actually a lot to talk about <laughs> in this episode. <laughs> Gosh darn it. Okay. So let's talk about the visions. And darn it, <laughs> you were right and I was wrong and I'm mad about it. <laughs> I don't know that I was right, though, because I thought they were AUs, and I don't think that's what but it they is. were AUs. Not really, I, though. I think they're just, like, different possible endings, but I don't know that they've actually happened in other universes. Oh, no. I feel like 
they have. I feel like that was all the different endings in all of the different AUs oh, of Sam true. and Dean. No, that can't happen because then somebody has to get in the portal or whatever and go rescue all of those Sams and Deans because I can't take it. It's too painful oh, to consider. Ugh. Oh, I'm no. I'm sorry. <laughs> I wasn't I wasn't emotionally connected with those Sams and Deans. <laughs> oh, Red Dean from last week. I have an emotional connection. It's Although true. I will say, last week you were discussing Demon Blood Sam. Yeah. This week, um, Demon Dean <laughs> was there. Demon Dean also works for me. Happy to see you, even while I was choking Sam to choking death. Choking the life out of Sam. I'm so sorry, Sam. So sorry. But seriously, there is a reason that I enjoyed Demon Dean, and I wish he could have been around more. And they gave us the gift of more Demon Dean, knowing that we all wanted more I Demon know. Dean. Look at them. I feel like all of these endings or visions or we're gonna have to like come up with something that we're gonna stick with. I don't know what that I don't know. Is. The things oh. with the flashies and the Sammy Sams. Yeah. Um <laughs> That's good, right? That is going to be the official Thank name. You. The things with the flashes and the Sammy Sam. <laughs> okay, so let's talk about the visions with yes. the flashes and the Sammy Sams. <laughs> they give us the opportunity to revisit all of these evil versions of the boys that is just delightful (laughs) i mean well i think we all feel just a little bit bad about enjoying it but enjoying we do they faked us out by showing the same vision twice i think that's part of what threw me with the initial one in raising hell we got that flash of demon blood addicted sam in the bunker in the red scene And then we saw an extended version of the red scene. So we saw the same thing twice. So I thought that was the only Mm. thing that he was seeing. And so... I see what you mean. You know what I mean? I was like, okay, they're going to take us to this place. And now Mm -hmm. I'm retroactively disappointed that that probably will be the only time we see tiles in. And it makes my heart sad. I know. Because I love him. And it was and it was (laughs) only five seconds. And now I'm sad about it instead of excited about it. But you know what? Again, that's the theme of this episode. Everything is unfulfilling. Even the flashbacks. I mean, we're excited to see them, but there's no depth to it. Everything is superficial. We don't understand how they got there. It's just like, wait, what? Who? Ooh. Ah. But no connection to it. It's just all very unfulfilling. You're so right. I hadn't thought of it that way. So if the theme of last week was meta, the theme of this week was unfulfilling. Unfulfilling writing. For the record, as I'm watching it the second time, Steve Yaki is a writing genius. Yes. Like how difficult must it have been for him to write something so mediocre Because I feel like bad is also not incredibly difficult, but But it was mediocre mediocre with an underlying something. That's hard. You know what? You're right. To write in a mediocre way 
in such a way that we recognize that it's mediocre and can apply these big picture ideas and feelings to it to see the message that it's sending. I was just blown away on the second go around where I was just like, that's incredible. What just happened there is incredible. I need to watch it again. The cast part too, writing a character without them being there. Yes. Having a character's importance be stamped on everything without them being there or even talking about them. Because I think going back to the Sammy Sams <laughs> is that the common theme, and we touched on this a little bit last week, was where all of these places where Cass was absent, um, pointedly so. And one of those places was that red scene. Like, oh, there's no Cass there. Interesting. Mm. In every single one, no Cass. It's all brothers. Yeah. And so it's hard not to get hit on the back of the head with the idea that, oh, gosh, how are they going to get out of this? Well, by Castiel coming in and being the wild card. Yes. That he has always been. Let's just walk through a little bit of that. Can we? Sure. Uh, with the flashy flash scenes and the Sammy Sams. <laughs> <laughs> I'm totally misquoting yes. you now. It all works. It's just going to be the name for them now. Sure. The flashy flash Sammy Sams. I think that's much mm-hmm. more direct and to the point. <laughs> Excellent. So in the first one, we had a flash to obviously a different setting, but it was the showdown with Lucifer and Dean. And it was sort of like a call out to the end verse. Please forgive me. The cold. <laughs> Did you really think that would work? <laughs> Poor, faithful D. We both knew it had to end this way. Okay, so first of all, I have to just say how much I appreciated that they brought back that ridiculous white suit. And apparently, I don't remember who it was, but somebody said that Dean's outfit was the same outfit too. Like they were wearing the same costumes from the original scenes where that happened. In the actual confrontation, post being thrown into the future in the endverse, the confrontation between Lucifer and Michael, it was Cass who slowed things down enough by doing the hey ass butt thing so that Mm -hmm. Dean could get through to Sam. Mm -hmm. So obviously whatever circuitous route got them in the bunker with the white suit and endverse Dean, there was no cast to get them to that point, right? Mm -hmm. The scene where Dean kills Sam as Demon Dean, which like when his eyes flicked black, I was like, oh, there it is. (laughs) Sorry. I just have to. Keep going. I'm I'm fine. (laughs) There's something really wrong with me that I really like the demon eyes, but I do. (laughs) No, no, it's not just you. Red shirt, freak the red shirt with the rolled I up cuffs. Can't even talk about the red shirt with the rolled up cuffs. Can't talk about it. I'm just, I have to because, and they even did his hair the same. I'm sorry, it's just okay. But in the original scene, it was Cass who stopped Dean from killing Sam. Um. Yeah. And so here, Cass was not there to intervene at the last second and save Sam from being killed by his brother absolutely 
So both of these scenes are sort of call-outs to Cass's role, I feel, in changing the course of events so that bad things don't happen to the brothers. And now I'm going to backtrack even more. Dean's big lesson at the end of the episode where he gets thrown by Zachariah into some sort of AU future version of events. Oh, I'm going to just totally uber geek out for a second. Like uber, uber geek out. Okay. (laughs) I recently got all the DVDs for all of the seasons and I've been slowly making my way through them. And the end verse episode has audio commentary with Kripke talking about it. They were talking about how initially they wanted it to be a straight up time travel episode. And they were going to do a thing where Dean has like a cut before he goes into the future and the future Dean has a scar in the same place. Place, so they know they're the same Dean and they were going to do a whole big dialogue between the two Deans about how what happens in the past affects the future and Robert Singer nixed it because they were drawing diagrams man trying to explain it to him <laughs> he was like if you have to draw diagrams to explain it to me here now how the heck are you going to show it to an audience in a way that's going to make sense So what Kripke says during this episode commentary is, so what we did instead was sent him to an alternate universe kind of place. And so it's the first time that we find out that there were AUs in existence. And it's because the series creator straight up says alternate reality in the DVD commentary. And it's just not said explicitly on the episode. But the creator of the series was thinking about alternate realities as early as huh. that episode. Of course he was. Right. And it freaking blew my mind because I found this out as we were watching the end of season 14. And it would have been wow close after the whole thing with Michael Dean, where he's talking about mm. how all these alternate realities are failed drafts. And then I yeah. saw this and I was like, what? 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 So alternate realities go back seasons and seasons and seasons and seasons. I'll be damned. Right? But the other point that I was going to make in reference to N. Dean is that Zechariah throws him into this future, hoping that he's going to learn the lesson that he has to say say yes to Michael. Mm -hmm. Um, Because anything else is going to end up with things going very badly for humanity. But Dean learns the wrong lesson, which is actually the right lesson, as it turns out. He doesn't learn the lesson that Zachariah Mm -hmm. wants him to learn. He learns that he actually needs to work with his brother because at that time he and Sam had parted ways. He realizes that because they stopped communicating with each other, he wasn't able to stop Sam from saying yes to Lucifer. So he learns the lesson that if they're going to stop the apocalypse from happening, they have to work as a team. And I think there are some really important things that are being said here through all of these flashy flash Sammy Sam things. Bad stuff happens because isn't there to intervene in some way to give them the time that they need to figure stuff out. He's that crucial part of the equation that's missing. And so I feel like this is saying some stuff about Cass's role. I think it's saying some big stuff because I think that Chuck forgets about Cass like he did Mm -hmm. in the last episode and Becky had to say like oh my gosh there's no mention of Cass and it gives a whole new meaning to the line why does that something always seem to be you (gasps) which I think is just delicious did you just 
delicious. Have you been holding on to that this whole time? Just <laughs> waiting to like explode my brain? Because if so, well done. Holy crap. Uh-huh. Something always goes wrong. Why does that something always seem to be you? Oh my gosh. And our baby Dean is going to eat those words. And it's just, I can't wait. Mm. Huh. Symmetry. I'm gonna... Delicious symmetry. I'm gonna... uh, I just... <laughs> I... This show, man, like it sets it up. Krisha, how did you hold on to this for a day and a half? <laughs> like... <laughs> okay, so we need to give context. Prior to recording tonight, Krisha and I were talking about some of the stuff that had happened because I had messaged her last night after the episode to be kind of like, I feel like that episode was kind of meh. And then mm-hmm. she was like, well, but it did the blah and the bloody blah. And I was like, oh, it did do the blah and the bloody blah. And I'm sorry, our descriptions <laughs> in this episode are just like chef's kiss, like just amazing. <laughs> They came here for the well-educated women. (laughs) This is what they got. (laughs) You're welcome. So we just kind of kept talking on and off about what was happening in the episode. Every time that Krisha would say something about it, I would be like, (gasps) and then she'd be like, I know. And then around, what was it? 3.30 or 4 o'clock my time, Krisha messages me and goes, we have to stop talking about this episode because we're doing all of our flailing before we actually record anything. And I was like, that's a really good point. We should stop talking now. New rule going forward. We can't talk about the episode before we record. That's right. No talking. Yeah. So that is the context for me going, wait, you held on to that all this time? (laughs) I did. It's so good though. You're absolutely right. They are going to do something with Cass that he gums up the works, but it's a good thing. It's going to save them. I have it written down here in big letters because he saves them. I'm going on record. That is my prediction. Yes. The only problem with that is that if Castiel can come in and he can truly save everyone, that will make him happy. And this is something we also talked about. When Krisha wrote me that, I was like, Krisha, no! What the hell kind of show makes me cry at the fact that my favorite character is going to be happy? (laughs) Damn you all. (laughs) This is not right. Jack won't let it happen, man. He's teaming up with the empty and with death. He's going to work something out. I'm just saying, Cass better be happy in the next five episodes so that there's ten left to fix it. Freak, man. God, that shot at the end with Sam and Dean in the bunker. Alone. Sitting on either side of the table. They are alone and they are just devastated. Just broken. And though it definitely makes me just miss everybody. Because last season, even after Mary died, the bunker was full. There was just all these people and all this life. And now it's just them. Yeah. And they're sad and broken. I'm sad. And I have made no secret that I am not happy with the way Dean has treated Cass, not happy with him in general. Mm -hmm. But that ending scene, were you able to be present for the ending scene this week? Because I know last week it became too much and it turned into the Charlie Brown teacher. (laughs) (laughs) 
And you know what? I've rewatched it three times since then, and I'm still doing the same thing. It's a lot. <laughs> Literally, every time that Dean brings up Jack in that offhand, nonchalant way <sighs> in that like scene in the car at the end of Atomic Monsters, mm-hmm. it just ow. Well, and that's what he did. <gasps> that's what he did with Cass this week, and it like yes. I don't know. My brain like vibrated for a minute because I was just like. It's just so forced nonchalant. Mm -hmm. It just, it's fake and it's not Dean and it's so unsettling and I don't like it. (sighs) Okay. But yes, I was able to be present for this one. And when he is like, how are we going to fight God? And the expression in his face and his voice almost does like a little half hysterical cracky thing. I don't even know what that is. I was just like, oh, oh, there he is. It's God, Sam. And he's coming for us. How the hell are we supposed to fight God? There's the real Dean, just peeking out a little bit. That's what's hiding underneath all of the nonchalant fake stuff that's driving me crazy, is like, broken 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 dean the thing about dean that really struck me in that last scene there yeah was that they're going through the motions and they're talking about what's going on they realize that chuck is back and they're just struggling with that and then sam's like oh i thought these were dreams but maybe there are other endings or visions maybe i'm connected because of the bullet wound which is always the part in the story where we're like oh okay we have a lead and dean just crumbled he just fell apart and was like I don't want to do this. We were supposed to be free. Yeah. Like, we're not supposed to have to do this. What if somehow I'm in his head? This was supposed to be over. We were done. We were free. And now... What are we supposed to do, man? Seeing him react to a lead in that way just broke my heart. He is just so done. He does not want to do this anymore. He does not want to fight anymore. He doesn't want to work the puzzles anymore. He doesn't want to. He's just done. Yeah. And not only is it heartbreaking, it's also terrifying because that's what gets you killed. Yeah. We've been given that message again and again and again. Yeah. That piece definitely broke me. The fact that he's not interested in the lead because he's just too overwhelmed. And mm-hmm. the fact that he's making mistakes, like leaving yeah. stuff in... Leaving the god weapon in the glove box? Yeah. He's making really rookie amateur mistakes. He is not sharp. He is nope. not in fighting form in any sense of the words. Mm-hmm. That is very worrying for me mm-hmm. about his physical safety as well as his emotional health. Like you said, that's how you get killed. Well, so we talked... <sighs> I don't know when it was, if it was from the episode last week or the week before, but we talked about character regression and character growth with all three of the boys. And Sam had become this leader 
and then so many of the hunters were killed and so he lost his confidence but then we've seen him step back up and lead again in the ghost apocalypse mm-hmm. and then here in this scene he's also being open and sharing mm-hmm. with Dean and just as a side note the fact that he said I wasn't trying to keep anything from you I just thought it was PTSD <clears throat> my dreams visions or whatever they all end the same way with us killing each other you're just telling me this now i i I thought they must have been some form of like messed up ptsd but but what if they're not Yes. He was not regressing to his old habits. He genuinely thought he was just experiencing nightmares as a result of trauma, which is completely valid. But number one, it's so casually mentioned that he has PTSD. My heart broke because he's just so accepting of that. Mm-hmm. <sighs> it showed that he's not regressing in that way. In, in a way that I was afraid that he was. Yes, and so was I, and it was really bothering me because I felt like he was hiding stuff from Dean, and I was really mm-hmm. unhappy with him for doing that. And this mm-hmm. was such a straightforward, oh, of course, explanation. But like, when are you relieved when you hear somebody just like say PTSD? But it's because it meant that he wasn't regressing in that area. He wasn't right. falling back into old patterns of behavior. And so again, they were reinforcing that he's struggling with his mental health, which I'm so glad that they're talking about because they have been through so much. Of course mm-hmm. he has PTSD. Like, of yeah. course he does. And of course he has night. Like, we know that they both have nightmares all the time. Like, that's just, that's yep. canon. That they brought up two weeks in a row that his mental health is not good yeah. to the point where it's blinding him to supernatural things that are happening to him is significant. Yeah. And they're using therapeutic verbiage. Yes, they are. So many characters will talk about, oh, I'm feeling this or I'm experiencing that. But it's really meaningful, I think, when shows have started using actual verbiage like PTSD and depression and Mm -hmm. therapy. And that's what we're getting. And I'm just so thankful for it because it just normalizes things in a way that I think our society really needs right now. So it's really very much appreciated. I've seen Sam regress and come back. Cass regressed by keeping things to himself, but he stepped back up by trying to be there for Dean and talk to Dean and then ultimately stood up for himself and walked away. Mm -hmm. And then Dean had come so far and he was talking about his feelings and he was saying that he wasn't fine and then he regressed honestly in many ways I think that he has regressed farther than he ever was Mm. I think he's more repressed now than possibly he's ever been I don't want to make a definitive statement because there's just too much show for me to remember it all off the top Mm. of my head but he's not okay no he's so not okay and he's doubling down on it where we saw Cass and Sam regress and then come back Dean regressed and then is just regressing harder Mm -hmm. he's lying to himself he's shutting it all down he's repressing everything I keep thinking to that episode where they went to the mental health facility the 
inpatient yep. facility. And afterwards, Sam wanted to talk about it. And Dean said, I can't. Mm. I can't talk about it and still be functional. Mm-hmm. And I just keep thinking about that because mm. I feel like Dean is in this just wow kind of place mm-hmm. where he has shut down the stuff with Jack so hard that people assume he's never been a parent. And he's shut down the stuff with Cass so hard that he's not even tapped into caring about his safety, mm-hmm. um, which is just so outside what we know of Dean as a character. And the other part of this episode where he's sitting with what's-her-face, non-Lilith, <laughs> before she's Lilith, mm-hmm. talking about how he's doing what he's supposed to do and he's where he's supposed to be and he loves his job as if he's never wanted anything more than hunting. Do you like your job? What do you mean? I mean, monsters. Right. Do I like it? Uh, I do. Did you ever want to be anything else? Jimi Hendrix. (laughs) No, not really. I'm where I'm supposed to be. That's nice. Hmm. And it was like, oh, because it was the same words as last season with I'm good with who I am. And yet it was just not even slightly convincing. Oh, I know. Oh, that's such a good point. Contrast those two moments. Yeah. Contrast the in the kitchen doing up the dishes. I'm good with who I am after dinner with his mom and dad and this conversation with that kid. Yeah. He's just so shut down. Different flavor entirely. Yeah, disconnected even with himself. Mm. So it's sad to see him suffering in this way. But it also means that it's going to put Dean's mental state at the forefront Mm. from a storytelling perspective, which Mm -hmm. I'm pretty stoked about because he has consistently repressed. And we got so close last season. But Mm -hmm. And I mean, his modus operandi is Mm -hmm. deflect, avoid when it comes to his mental health and his emotional well-being deflect avoid move on and if they're setting him up to be this not okay it's going to be impossible for him to do that and i'm there for those moments when it becomes impossible because you gotta face it to overcome it man you do i'm nervous about how he may fall apart that is giving me some anxiety but yeah i know me too he more than any fictional character i've ever seen needs to fall apart yeah with people around people so that other people can see it because he fell apart in the woods last year Mm -hmm. but he doesn't let anybody see it no he needs to let people see it he does i feel like we haven't talked really about lilith yet first of all the chick that they cast as her what a friggin' compelling job she did she was awesome oh my gosh the turnaround on that was just in freaking incredible it was interesting to me that the villain in this piece was just as trapped as they were yeah she really didn't want to be doing any of the stuff that she was doing she just kind of had to so she was just kind of going through the motions and again mm-hmm. i felt like that sort of spoke to the wider feel <laughs> of yeah. yeah everything mm-hmm. what was supposed to ring true ran hollow and she literally said god is no shakespeare and i was like wow how did she not get smote just right there on the spot I know. You know, he doesn't like to be insulted. 
it's going to be interesting to see if they do anything more with Lilith or if that's going to be the extent of things. Is she just sort of popped in and melted the gun? I thought it was highly ironic because they thought that he was gone. So they didn't even care about the gun. That seemed like a plot hole in and of itself. They're going to put the most powerful gun in the universe in the glove box. They're not even going to put it under the, the <laughs> devil's trap in the trunk. I know. It doesn't seem very Winchester-y to me. They've always been very, very, very militant about their weapons, where they go, where they're stored, how they're cleaned. That just <clears throat> seemed weird to me. Can I say something? Sure. It wasn't them. It was him. <laughs> you are super although sam seemed to know where it was i don't think he did because like I don't think so. dean was the one who dropped his head and was like oh no and remember he put it in the glove compartment when sam wasn't there dragon dean man like what are you doing he's so checked out he put the god weapon <laughs> in the glove compartment i remember watching him do it and being like bro and, like, he did it in front of Belphegor, who they didn't even know if they could trust at this point. And then he was just like, don't worry about it. And Belphegor was like, cool, okay. And then he trusted him not to go nosing around it afterwards and left it in the glove compartment all that freaking time. I think that was another moment of saying, Dean is so checked out right now. He's not even, it's a big, big, big problem because that was the most powerful weapon in the universe. I mean, I'm really glad she didn't have to vandalize Baby to get it, but it was definitely just like, what? <laughs> I know. Like, when we didn't even move it to the trap. weapons in the trunk. Like, that's where the weapons go. You don't even. Okay. Let's talk about the throwback to the fish and game stuff. While I was watching through the first time, I was like, oh, they're doing a little throwback. And then they kept mm-hmm. bringing it up with every character they encountered, which was the, are you sure that's you? The first time it was like, haha. And then the second time it was like, guys, this is feeling a little heavy handed. And then I was like, <laughs> oh, because it's Chuck. But what I loved about the commentary here, again, the freaking meta guys, is... The first time they used the fish and game thing, Park Rangers, mm-hmm. was the Ford and Hamill disguise in Wendigo, which was season one, episode two. And that was the episode that had all the campers out in the middle of the forest in mm-hmm. their tents and the thing going around the tents and thinking that if they stay in the tents very quietly, they'll be fine. Like <laughs> That always works. <laughs> They were obviously doing a callback to that. And the whole thing where the girl goes up to sit the tent opening closed. I'll prove to you there's nothing out here. I'm like, holy God. But she was mean. So she was obviously meant to be slaughtered because the mean people are usually the ones that are slaughtered in Supernatural. (laughs) But then the second girl going up to the tent opening to zip it shut like that's going to stop something from coming inside of the tent like delicately reaching out towards the black void and taking the zipper and then slowly starting to zip it down i was watching it and it was like that's not gonna do anything now i'm like oh that's the point (laughs) it's so ludicrous girls as being not individuals hardly at all and being completely stupid so thank you for that chuck we always appreciate that 
And so again, that's commentary on Chuck's writing. It's commentary on Chuck. And the fact that he's drawing the same material that he was from season one, episode two, the same mm-hmm. setup, just a different bad guy, is so interesting. The writers are having a friggin' blast this season. <laughs> I would imagine they're just hackling a lot. A lot. And then just being like, hey, what if we do this to make fun of writers? And then mm-hmm. being like, ha, 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 type, 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 type. I really hope that we get some kind of documentary about stuff that happened in the writers' <laughs> room this season. <laughs> I really, really do. Well, they tease us enough on Twitter. We deserve it, damn it. I want a documentary about the writer's room. This is... Sure. Please, please, please. So it's set up that way, and it's an intentional callback. And then we have the same IDs with the same pictures from all that time ago. And the irony is Dean is like, maybe you've changed, but I haven't changed. And then the whole thing is, wow, are you the same person? Look at you. You look like a baby. Me. Look at you. What? I look exactly the same. Like nothing has changed. It's... Nothing's changed. Yeah. Right. The wider thing that they were doing here was just to draw attention to how much has changed and how little Chuck recognizes that things have changed dramatically. Yes, he is stuck. He doesn't have any new material. He doesn't see his own characters clearly. He doesn't see how they've grown. He doesn't see how they've changed. He doesn't see how their priorities have changed. Mm -hmm. And it's fascinating. And then we get into these werewolves. Oh, man. I don't even know where to start with them. Um... Like, okay. (laughs) We've been avoiding it. (laughs) I think I even mentioned in the last episode of our podcast, I think I was like, oh, and there just happens to be the coincidentally convenient story, whatever, you know, because that's... You totally said that, and that's exactly what happened this week. Lilith is like foreshadowing. But it always ends the same. One brother killing the other. You know... I guess that's why you had to see the werewolf bros die the way they did. Because... Foreshadowing. (laughs) I was like, oh no! Oh no! (laughs) Most of the time, they weave it in. And of course we eat it up. Because it's like, okay, that could happen, sure. And this one was so absurd. The whole thing was just... To the point where Dean and Sam were being like, this is kind of weird. <laughs> so let's just talk about parallels, shall we? The werewolf brothers live in an isolated location in the outskirts of society together under one roof, right? Mm-hmm. They go hunting together. Sure do. In the woods. Dad has died and one of the brothers is a little off the rails. Um, <laughs> you're not helping me. I'm doing my best. (laughs) Now, okay, here's the thing. Mm -hmm. Which brother do you think was which? Because I think it's interesting if they make off-the-rail brother Sam, because Dean is currently the one who's off the rails, but historically it was Sam that was the one that might turn bad, right? And he was taller. Mm -hmm. The bad brother. And then the self-sacrificing good brother was shorter and had sort of Dean hair, but with a beard. And a very stylish sweater. (laughs) 
trying so hard here. Okay, the line right after the good brother shoots the bad brother. And then he was like, I had to shoot him because he was a monster. He was my brother. And he promised. But he was never going to stop. And he turned into a monster. And I'm a monster, too. It was so days of our lives. And then he shoots himself in the side. Like, what the hell is that? (laughs) And drops immediately dead from his stomach wounds. You know, this is not the episode that I would ever say for somebody who's new to Supernatural to watch for the first time. Oh my god, can you imagine? Yeah, there's the other quote too, where they're down with Lilith and he's like, I don't like who we are now, Josh. This isn't who we are. This is exactly who we are. And I want to eat her heart. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Like, wow, though. (laughs) Dialogue. Since we were just talking about eating hearts, (laughs) I have to say, the title of the episode was Proverbs 17.3. Just for context, Proverbs is exactly what it sounds like. It's a collection of Proverbs that goes on for frickin' ever, and I hate it. It's like my least favorite book in the Bible. And you identify as Christian, so you're allowed to say that, yes? I do. Okay, just putting that out there. It's right next door to my favorite book of the Bible, which is Psalms, and that is sheer poetry. And then somebody decided the good book to put next to it would be Proverbs, which is just like pages and pages and pages of two-liners with pithy sayings about life that are, you just want to shoot yourself in the head. It's so bad. Okay. Anyway. (laughs) So very Chuck is what you're saying. Yes. Yes. There is a reason that they picked Proverbs. Okay. But the other reason they picked it is because of this. This is what Proverbs chapter 17, verse three actually says, the crucible for silver and the furnace for gold. This is referencing refining, right? So you refine Mm -hmm. silver in a crucible and gold in a furnace. But the Lord tests the heart. And I read that and I was like. (laughs) Could he be any cheesier? Test, Sam, Dean, hearts, werewolves, silver. (laughs) On the nose. So bad. Oh, so bad it's good. And congrats to Steve because this was his last episode. And I mean, now that I'm past the, huh? (laughs) This really was a remarkable episode. Yes. How are you feeling now? (laughs) I'm feeling much better about the episode than I was after I initially watched it. And I think, again, that goes sort of to my state of mind going into things. I was tired. I was emotionally exhausted. So I didn't have a lot of energy. But I think it was also done very intentionally and deftly. Mm -hmm. I think we were meant to go through the first half of the show going, what? It was supposed to be one of those episodes where you have to go back and see it again because Mm -hmm. everything changes after that pivot point with Lilith's reveal. Once I realized that it was all intentional and it wasn't just a mediocre episode, that I was like, oh, then that means it's actually brilliant. And I got really excited about it. 
I think we've reached the end. This has been our stream of consciousness episode. <laughs> it's a little bit of a brain dump episode. So thanks for hanging in there. Uh-huh. We appreciate you. Normally we're a little bit more mentally coherent and cogent and put together, but today we were not. And sometimes that is just the way that life is. So we are being authentic, Krisha. <laughs> you just put together a whole bunch of big words and I'm proud of you for it. <laughs> so Thank you. I'm laughing at us, but I'm also being serious because sometimes life is just messy. So if we have a few messy podcast episodes here or there, I'm okay with it. I think our listeners will be too. For I think sure. A lovely, nice group of people who mm-hmm. will hang in there with us as we ramble. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> ramble our way through season 15. And now I'm thinking of rambling and cowboys and I'm your huckleberry. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Like it's just over. It's, it's call it. Stick a fork in it. It's mm-hmm. done. You can message us and stay up to date with the latest on our Twitter page at the Fangirl Biz B I Z or B I Z, and we will see you again next week. Until then, carry on, wayward friends. We really do love you guys. Thanks for hanging in there this episode. <laughs> Bye. Bye. flashy flash sammy sam things which is just gonna mm-hmm. be what i call them from now on and you're like over yep. it <laughs> <laughs> my dreams visions or whatever we gotta call them something man sorry not sorry <laughs> exactly <laughs> <laughs>